You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Pigskin fans, the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now, the DraftKings app, and enter the free prediction challenge. Answers, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN. Whether you're a new or existing user, use the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. stars one cup podcast featuring craig ludwig the two-time stanley cup champion let's how you doing today my man i am very good i'm obviously doing better than you with all your workload here now and you need a nap every day till one o'clock huh it's a little more time consuming working for a professional show hey it really is time consuming um plus you know it's just been a crazy like week or so for me um so i appreciate your patience and i appreciate the hockey podcast patience as well as it's been a minute since we've um, you know, recorded an episode. I'm Shippy, the uh, new Dallas Stars DJ and also um, host here for the Two Stars One Cup podcast. And while we were away, we actually got a sponsor. It's Irsh Beard Works. Hey, Luds, did you know 15 out of 10 of the best hockey players of all time have glorious beards? Don't check my math. I'm pretty sure it's right. That may or may not be true, but if you want that Stanley Cup championship quality beard, check out Ish Beard Works and Men's Hygiene. They make lightly scented, Handcrafted, all-natural men's grooming products for the man who wants to look good without smelling like a pine tree farted in his face. And guess what? They donate a portion of the profits to charities that support children in foster care and awaiting adoption. Go to ishbeardworks.com. That's ish, I-S-C-H, beardworks.com. And check everything that they have to take your beard game and hygiene to the next level. Ish Beardworks is the proud official sponsor of this official Dallas Stars Focus podcast and official creator of the baddest ass beards in all of DFW. It's the Ish. So can you. All right, Luds. Well, that's uh, our show. Well, thanks, folks. Hope you have a good all week. All right, we'll see you next episode. I'm going <laughs> to go check. I'm going to go check outside my deck here and see if there's a package waiting for me out here. <laughs> there should Ish. be. There's, yeah. There should be, yeah. We need, we need to get you the um, uh, the, and the Miller Light truck too. Oh, uh, we can work on the we can work on the Miller Light. I feel like you've got more pull with Miller Light than me. But I should, um, I should have stock in it too, but I don't. 
Well, he can fix that, right? Maybe. Maybe. Well, one thing that uh, doesn't need fixing is the Dallas Stars power play, Luds. It started off, you know, scorching hot. And, you know, that's a that's a part of the team that for a few years now, it seems like Stars fans have been super frustrated with. Um, just never seemed to, to click on all cylinders. And for, from the through the first two games, you know, it's really been clicking. What have you seen that's been different with this Dallas Stars power play you know, that contributed so much to their success with, uh, you know, the man advantage in these first two games against Nashville? No, well, I think there's a few things. Uh, well, the, I'll start with the bad news first. Mm-hmm. Not that there is much, but it ain't going to stay at 70%. It's only going to go downhill from here. What? So don't, ex- don't, ex- yeah, don't expect to, to score four or five power play goals a night. Not happening. <laughs> yeah, well, you might as well start practicing now. But uh, good news, um, uh, a shooter and a threat of a shooter, and that's Garyanov. Uh, the kid's mm-hmm. got a bomb. He's got a rocket. Um, the other thing that I think to, to go back one step is an entry. Um, they've got tons of speed, hence Garyanov, Haskin, and Klingberg, who can damp through the middle of the ice. So I, I think the biggest part of any power play is being able to spend as much time of that two minutes in the offensive zone instead of chasing it and not being able to get it in. I think some teams try to be a little bit too fancy at times with uh, entries and things like that. Dallas seems to just be straightforward. Um, you get it on the tape of Klingberg. He can dance around people. He can get in. He can control it. He can set up. Uh, it backs defensemen off with the speed of Hintz and Gary on him. So that gap between that blue line and when you want to enter the zone is a lot bigger than normal, it seems like right now. Um, and then once they're in there and they're set up, they're not wasting a lot of time. You're not seeing them kill a lot of their own power play by by moving the puck around because they know that they've got a shooter over there that you have to, at some point, you're going to have to adjust and take him away. He kind of becomes at some point, I, I don't want to throw him in the stamp cones uh, kind of neighborhood yet, but mm-hmm. he can score from almost on the wall. He can score from the goal line. He can score from above the top of the circle with that shot of his. So, there's going to come a point when when that's going to get taken away. And, and I think when that happens, they've got other options there. And, and I think with Klingberg and Haskinen uh, at the point, they can create options. Now, let, let's not base it off of just that, that set of games against Nashville because watching that game, they stink. And they just, you know, they've only got three defensemen on that team in, in Yossi and Ekholm, Ellis, and then they've got three other guys out there. So I think they've got their own issues that they're dealing with, but that's their problem. I think as far as the Dallas Stars are concerned, one of the biggest one of the biggest factors to having a good power play is confidence. And they've obviously got it. You know, they scored eight, I think, believe it's eight goals and eight yeah. power play goals in the first two games. So Yeah, five and three. Of, and that's a record. I mean, that, that's all-time history in two games. I think they're tied with some team from 1940s or whatever, so back when I played. But I, I think <laughs> what, uh, what you know, again, it's confidence. Uh, Joe Pavelski, uh, number one, uh, along with Garyano, has always been a net front guy. He, he's probably one of the best players in the league getting a stick on pucks when he's in front of the net. Um, he and, But he works at it. Uh, days in practice, He I, I've heard even when he was in San Jose, you know, he would take hundreds of, of tips from from in front of the net after practice. Just have guys shoot pucks to the net, find different ways to get a stick on the on that puck coming in, and you know, so he's come off. And, and again, you you look at him, and he's on fire right now. I think he's played two games, and he ended up being the second star in the NHL, and where other teams have played four and five for the week. Yeah. So, a lot of things are going right right now. Um, and, and I, you know, you, you look at put it on the other side of the coin. 
I guarantee you that the Nashville Predators are the coaching staff is pulling their hair out to figure out how to fix their, their penalty kill. That's not happening with Dallas on either side of the special team. So it was a perfect team for them to start against. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some holes in it. <clears throat> they're, they're still a good hockey team, um, but but they have issues that they've got to fix. So, um, but Dallas is off and and you can see the speed. Um, I mean, not just on the power play, but but they've got kids that can, can skate. Um, and I think what it's doing is as an older player, that maybe some of your fastest and best days are behind you a little ways, all of a sudden they're faster. And they're faster mm-hmm. because they're afraid. They're afraid that they can't keep up with these young guys. Radulov looked like he's got another step. Pavelski looks like he's got another step. So, you know, there, there's a, there's pressure on those guys to keep up with who they're playing with. So uh, there's a lot of good things working, but unfortunately that's only two of 56 games. So, uh, but it's a great way to start. And the other good news is the team that they've got coming in play a couple of games against now next, they should be able to keep this this on a roll to start this their season off. Yeah, and it's the exact opposite of how they started last season when they started 1-7-1, and one, and I think they went on a 14-game winning streak after that. But, you know, we talked about in the offseason or just in the anticipation of this season about how important getting off to a strong start would be for the Dallas Stars because you're not going to have – I mean, every game – you know, or what is it? You basically call it like a four point swing, right? Cause you, you take two points on that team and they're not getting their two points. And so, you know, from that standpoint, you know, you can't control who your opponent is. And I was actually kind of worried about Nashville, especially in that first game after the first period, you know, Dallas looked a little rusty. It looked like it'd been a minute since they had, you know, played hockey like that. And they just seemed to get stronger and stronger. And I don't know if you saw this, but they entered the two-game set, and I got this from Saad Yusuf of The Athletic. He, they entered the two-game set against the – or the Nashville Predators entered that two-game set against the Stars. They entered that two-game set with a 10th overall rated penalty kill, and they left with the 30th rated penalty kill. And I think that's what, you know, giving up eight goals in two games will do to, to any any penalty kill like but, that. But those numbers come from preseason guys that are projecting – that's not from last year. Last last year they were at the bottom of the league. Oh no so, no! It was entering. It was at the very beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it was so in that, two or four games, whatever they played. So w- w- what does that mean? <laughs> it means I mean they were really good in, in summer hockey. Like I get a kick out of these guys, you know, ranking and ratings and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of teams. Uh, just from a team standpoint, there's a lot of teams that were, if you want to listen to the experts, that all of a sudden it's flip-flop. Teams that they picked to, to be in the top two of each division are now on the bottom of the division. So, you know, these are all projections, and that's what they get paid to do. Um, I don't know where they get their numbers and things from. But but anyway, um, yeah. No, I mean, that was, they, from, they, their, that was from their first games, first three games against yeah. the Hurricanes yeah. and the Blue Jays. Was Jack. that three games they said? They were top ten in three games? That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, let, we'll revisit that sometime down the road <laughs> when they play some games. Yeah. But, but, I mean, that's what I mean. It doesn't matter if it goes back to last year, the first week, the first 20 games, whatever. That, you know, it's about consistency and staying there all year. But again, uh, mm-hmm. for the stars, uh, you you just can't. I mean, it, you can't ask for a better start than that. And I think with the layoff um, that they had for the start of the season, there would be. I think anytime you go into the playoffs, you always wonder with your older veteran players, the last couple games of the regular season, do you, do you give them a break? And so it always becomes rest versus rust kind of thing. And, and yeah. are they going to get rusty in two or three games? I think that could have been a, uh, a question that I had for Dallas. How are they going to come out? They haven't played in such a long time. You're practicing, and you can't hit guys the way you want to, which was very evident 
to me in game one because they came out, they were the aggressors, they were the hunters. They got sick and tired of tap dancing around, hitting them themselves in practice for all this time to get started. And you watch mm-hmm. it on TV and you have aggression. And and the other question mark that obviously got answered for me was Hudobin. And he picked up right where he left off. And, and that wasn't a question that I had the problem there. It's just a fact of when goalies are practicing in their regular practices for a long period of time, you don't get the same kind of traffic in front of you. You don't get the guys standing in front of you, guys bumping into you, um, the up to down, um, having to, to corral another rebound, which I believe that the way Hugh Dobin goes about his business in practice, it doesn't change from game to game, but it's about things in front of him, taking his eyes away and making him look around things. Uh, you know, in that, that game one, Dallas wasn't super sharp. They were really good, but mm-hmm. but Hudobin had to make a lot of good saves, and he made some yeah. big saves. Even in the second game, he had to make a couple big saves to keep that game a one-goal lead, you know, with a couple minutes to go in the game or whatever it was. So uh, he has been excellent, and now the question becomes, when do you get Ottinger in? And, and because you're not going to be able to run. They've got, you know, because of Carolina, Florida, Dallas, uh, they've kind of revamped the schedule. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of games going on here. And I, I think Dallas has got uh, 54 games in like 102 days. So uh, 104, you yeah. Yeah, you, you do the math on that thing. And yeah. Carolina and, and Florida, you know, their numbers are crazy too. So when it comes to goaltending, as much as you want to get off to that great start, and, and you already look at Dallas, you know, they're already in the top four in the division. They've only played two games. So, mm-hmm. again, and I believe that uh, – they stay focused and they, they don't, you know, sometimes, you know, a weaker team comes in and we call them trap games. I don't believe in trap games, but, you know, sometimes you you feel that you can just kind of go through the motions and, and mm-hmm. you can still collect a couple points here. So, um, but but I believe that they can beat uh, Detroit the next couple of games too. And all of a sudden, you know, they're starting the season four and all. Um, but at some point you got to get Ottinger in this game, in, in yeah. the game because, you know, it's going to come to the point with that schedule where you're when we start getting into 20 games, 25 games in that neighborhood, um, you can't be playing Hudobin every other night or what three and four nights. So and, and I, I would I would be throwing Ottinger definitely in, in one of these two games and probably in their in their first game here. Um, yeah, to get there'll be a little bit of rest, but it'll be interesting to say, see the way Rick Bonus and the coaching staff go about that business there. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was going to bring that up. I, I think I would go the same way of letting him go ahead and take this, this game later today um, against the Red Wings. You let him have the first game. You're coming off two games where Doby looked incredible. The team's feeling good in front of him, and like you said, you've got a weaker opponent coming in. I kind of want to go back to what you said, you know, a second ago about hitting people, and that's because Jamie Ben ahead of the first game, Rick Bonus asked him, "Hey, are you ready to go?" And he looked at Bones and said, "Look, I'm just ready to hit somebody." And now, obviously, he left in the second period, I believe, of that first game with a bit of a – it looked like he tweaked his knee near the bench trying to get off the ice or something. And he's not on – he's not – or as far as I last checked, he was not on the ice this morning for morning skate. How concerned are you about that knee injury with Jamie Ben? Obviously, it's huge, huge to lose your captain, but um, – or, you know, for any type of stretch. But how how concerning was that for you to see? And then how, do you, how did you see them make up for – you know, 14's absence in the second game. Well, I, I'm, I would be coming off of the playoffs that Jamie Ben had uh, last year and the way that he uh, started the first game, the first couple shifts. Again, he, he's a hungry player. He's the captain. We talked about this before. That's the way Jamie has to play to be effective uh, and to lead his team. So 
I think any time that Jamie's not in, in the lineup, you're definitely concerned. And But the concerning point is, is again, I, I would assume that knowing Jamie, he's he's the guy fighting in there to get into the lineup. And mm-hmm. but when you play these kind this kind of a schedule, uh, an injury that would make keep you out four, five, six days a week or whatever it is, all of a sudden you're missing four or five games. And, yeah. and so that would be the concern. But that being said, uh, the good news is is when you look in the division, uh, I, and I, you don't want to take anything for granted, but. You know, there's some teams in in this division that the Stars are in with this realignment that I think that they would be able to play some games and not have their top players in there. I would think that if you can get off to a good enough start as a, as this season rolls along, and you can put some some points in the bank, that when playoffs coming up, when you get to that point when you know you're in a playoff position, that you might be able to sit a couple guys and not play them two out of three games or three out of four or five out of seven or eight games and give them a little rest as the schedule unwinds a little bit down at the end of the road. So. Um, that's the concern, um, but the way that they're, they they started the season out, it, it looks like you know they can kind of roll anything. But again, there's a you know, like I said, you go back to the opponent. Yeah, Tampa, I, I think Carolina. Uh, we'll see what happens with Carolina whenever they get back on track here. And um, you know, mm-hmm. I would think that they would be a pretty tough opponent. Um, so we'll see. Uh, they definitely should be a top four team in this. If they continue like this, they could be a top one or two team. And, yeah. but again, there's a lot of hockey ahead of them. Now I'm going to go back to Joe Pavelski as well. You know, we talked about the power play earlier and it seemed, it's interesting to me because like you said, he's been known for so long to be so great in front of the net, but it looks like they're utilizing him in way different ways on the power play. It seems like, you know, at times he was behind the net to the side of the net off to the side, obviously he had the goal in game two, um, the, the one timer from, from the side of the net. What have you seen any type of difference in the way that that the stars are using Joe Pavelski? He was at the blue line at one point, and that led to a goal. You know, he, he put a puck on net. Is are you? Do you think that's a? Is that an intentional thing by the stars to kind of move Pavelski around and let him try to succeed from all different areas on the power play? Well, that's a good question for Derek Locksville. He he seems to be the guy that's running the power play or taking care of it. One of the assistant coaches for the stars, but. I think any time that you game plan for a team, you go back and you watch tapes and you watch consistencies. And there, there are certain things where certain guys are on the ice. Um, and I think what what Joe can be is he can kind of be that guy that roams around a little bit. And again, you know, the other thing is Saros wasn't real good. Their goaltender was a little bit leaky on a couple of these. But again, that doesn't really matter. But when, when it comes to Havelski, he's strong on faceoffs, So, you know, that, that you're, you felt that you're going to miss part of that because of Tyler Sagan be out there. So I think that Pavelski is going to have a heavier workload until Tyler gets back um, in the faceoffs. Uh, and then, like I said, you have a game plan for this and you kind of know where they are. And all of a sudden, when you start watching things on tape, exactly what you're describing, it's like, well, how do we, what should we look for first? And, and any good penalty kill to me, when you're playing an opponent, they usually have, a number one play that's their plan a and here's your plan b and i was always of the belief that and i'll use holly for for an example when we played against them all the time we knew where brett hall was going to be at the same spot where ovechkin is mm-hmm. a lot of teams haven't had success against ovechkin no matter what they do but with holly i was always like well he, just take him away that's that's where they want to go let's make them do something different so now when you see guys moving around all the time um it's a little bit more difficult to say, well, we're going to kind of play this way. I think the one the one constant probably with the Stars power play, at least as of now, is where Gary Ano is going to be. 
And because of his shot and the ability to score from distance over there where he is, I would think that it will help a guy like Joe Pavelski. He can be in front of the net. He can be off to the side. And, and because I think they're going to have to start taking that shot away. And they're going to have to pick the lesser of two evils. Do you let Pavelski kind of tip it in front or shoot from the goal line? Or are we going to let Dariana keep throwing bombs up there from the faceoff dot? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as this goes along and they do a little more scouting and they see Gariano staying there and, and the guys start to feed him quite a bit from that spot because he is a shooter and he can score. And, and the other thing is he's got tons of speed. So, you know, it's a great combination for these young players to have. But th- I would look for that, uh, you know, as a as an opponent against the Stars as you start moving down the road. There's going to be time. Th- there's a setup that they have. There's no question. There's a starting point that they have. And you're seeing a lot of teams, in my opinion, now go to it where right off of a faceoff, they just want to make one pass and get it up to the net. They're going to kind of set the tone early. Let's get pucks to the net. Let's get bodies to the net and start to recover rebounds and, and play in front of the goaltender and take his eyesight away. So, you know, is there anything – I mean, with the with the different taxi squads and and things like that. <clears throat> sorry, is there anything like that you see that the Stars need to improve? Was there anything that you saw from the Dallas Stars in these first two games that they need to work on? I mean, I I was looking for a glaring weakness, and other than that first period where they had a lot of trouble getting set up, I think in one power play in, in the first period. Other than that, I, I feel like all the way around, it looks like a pretty complete team at this point. I mean, obviously, it's only yeah. two games in. Right. And you've only played one opponent and right. one opponent that's, right. that's struggling a little bit. So, no, I, but I would say the same thing if they were 0-2. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to start throwing everything out the window right. because they lost one of the two games. So you got to get down the road here and you got to look at 10, 10 to 15, 10 to 16 games. And, you know, what things, there's going to be changes they're going to make. There's no question. They're not going to go 56-0. and 0. And they're probably going to hit a speed bump here. Yeah, I hate to burst your bubble because that I was know my you're, prediction. You're the DJ, yeah, you being the DJ guy now, you probably you got your songs already pre-picked when they hit twenty-six and zero here. Yeah, yeah, but, I do. No, you know what? You just have to. You can't panic, and you can't get too high and too low, as they say. You played one opponent. You played them twice. The, you know the, their goaltenders were average at best. Or else was average at best. And, and so I think you're just gonna, they're gonna, and then again, they're looking at it and they're, they're seeing a record. They're seeing the way that Detroit plays. If they go four and oh, I don't think they're going to get too high about being four and oh, you know, and right. let's, let's see what you're like when you play Carolina and you play Tampa and you play Florida, who I think can be a pretty good club. So, you know, when you start playing those opponents, you may have to make some adjustments the next time around when you play them. But right now, you know, it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I, I don't see them changing a lot going into the, the game against Detroit here. Do you think that the taxi squad and kind of like, because it seems like, you know, you're talking about Pavelski having to keep up with the youth. And it, it seems like maybe that the stars in the past have, have you know, they showed this with Gurianov, a little reluctance to put him in the starting lineup and play him. You know, he was back and forth between the Dallas and the Texas stars. Do you think like kind of in this, in this weird time and, and because of, you know, the injuries to Jamie Benn and Blake Como's, you know, dealing with COVID protocol and, you know, you've got Kiwi Ranta who was put on the IR retroactive to the first game. Do you think that that's kind of helped this team, like force this team to infuse some youth into the lineup and maybe that's kind of benefited the, 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 the team in general? Well, it's all, you had no preseason, so you weren't able to see some of these kids where you typically, you know, you get six, seven, eight games in preseason, mm-hmm. and the veterans only played three or four of those games, maybe some of them only two of them. So they didn't have that opportunity to see these players play against different competitions. So absolutely it's good. And, and again, you know, the 
you talk about Garyano and 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 hints. Um, it gives them an opportunity. I've been I said this last year and the year uh, halfway through the other year. I I felt that Hints and Garyano should have been two of the top minute forwards on our team, um, just because of their speed. Number one, because you watch the way that other teams play against them, specifically defensemen, and and you can just see the gap is a lot bigger coming across the offensive blue line when those two guys are on the ice because of their speed, and they should be because they. You know, it, it scares the defenseman. There, there are few defensemen that can hold the gap against speed like they have. And we can say that about a lot of players in the NHL now. I mean, it's kind of like, look at how many times Connor McDavid has made people look like fools just because of his speed. Now, all of a sudden, they're waiting next to the goaltender when he's coming through the neutral zone because they mm-hmm. don't want to get beat. Um, so, it, and it creates open ice. Well, who's ever going to play with those two guys? And if it's Jamie, he's probably going to have, and Jamie does a pretty good job. I mean, for a guy that's in his early 30s, he can still skate. Um but I think on that line with those two guys, like, I, you know, Jamie's responsibility is to be that physical guy and, and create puck turnovers and, and be a physical presence and and open up space for those two guys. And then Jamie's, you know, a guy that gets to the front of the net. So, um, but I think as far as the young kids go, I, they, they have a pretty good idea who can fit in where. And, and But I think when, when there are players out, um, it's nice to be able to get a good look at them. It's nice for me when you have those kind of players and you didn't have a preseason to get off to a start against some teams that aren't the Tampa Bay's, you know, because you may be Mm -hmm. a little bit more worried throwing them into that mix. But, um, but again, the Delandria kid, man, he's impressed me through, you know, what I've seen so far. And again, small sample size, but he just looks like a, a guy that, that just there's, there's stuff going on around him all the time and he creates chaos. He finishes checks and you can tell that they have a lot of confidence in him because he's out there at the end of games. Yeah. And, and so you take a young player like that and you're out there. It's one thing to have a five-goal lead and have him out there, but it's another thing when you're playing in these kind of games where, you know, it's a battle in a four-point game like you talked about earlier every single night, and it's a one-goal game and you've got him on the ice. It means he knows how to play in his own end um, and, and he can create things. I, he's not going to be a 25-3 goal scorer, I don't think, anytime soon. But he's going to do a lot of other things, and he's going to pick up some ugly goals around the offensive net. But in his own zone, he's going to do all the right things that he's not a liability out there. Yeah, and I was going to actually, you know, talk about him here in a minute, a little bit more extensively because, like you said, like Brick Bonus came out and he said, "I'm not afraid to throw him out there at the end of a game on a on a big penalty kill, on a power play, whatever it is." He's already got a lot of confidence, and he was just the first round pick from 2018 for the Dallas Stars, and so. You know, just to see the stars kind of show that type of trust, you know, in Delandria is, is really encouraging to see. And, it, and he's obviously stepping up to the challenge. I saw, too, that he's he's over 50 percent on his um, faceoffs. Like he's winning fi- over 50 percent of his faceoffs. I think it was 54 percent. The top three centers for the Dallas Stars are all winning either. I think I think one of them's at 48 percent, but they're all right there at 50 percent or b- above, which is a nice recipe for success. Another young guy that. You know, that kind of in, in preseason, just hearing about him and, and hearing about him at practice was that I've been excited about was Jason Robertson. So seeing him, you know, I've seen, you know, Mike Heike talk about, hey, I think you're going to see this kid on the power play. You know, he's he's a playmaker. He's creative and things like that. What have you seen or like what have you, I guess, up to this point, even before he was with the Dallas Stars, what have you kind of seen out of Jason Robertson, if anything? Uh, everything that you just talked about. And what I love to see about that, and I think what happens a lot of times to young players that come into a lineup in, in a regular season, they may not get the opportunity until 40, 50 games in because of an injury or something like that. But I would love to see these guys play 
the way that got them noticed and drafted. And I think sometimes they come in and, and a lot of that has to do with the coaches telling them, Hey, you got drafted for, and I go back to even me way back in, you know, with Fred Flintstone days is when I got drafted, <laughs> I, I was told when you get to camp and when you play in the game, you don't try to do something different than what you do right now. You're, you know who you are. You're not a guy that's going to try to dang. You're not going to play like Klingberg. You're not going to skate like Haskinen. But you do this one thing, and they're drafting you because of that. Mm-hmm. And so I like it when when general managers and coaches tell players that and have that conversation with them. Don't be afraid to make plays. Don't be afraid to take a two-on-one, and when there's an, uh, a shot that you can take, to maybe slide it through be- between the defenseman's skate and stick and and create an open spot for for who's ever else out there with you. And on a power play, to be creative. And so – I think that's what happens in times like these, and there's going to be more opportunity for those guys just because of the way the schedule is and the games and not many days, and there's going to be bumps and bruises that come along. You're going to have to find a way to get your veteran players as you head into a playoff spot to give them a little bit of rest because it's not going to change when you get the playoffs. You know, we know it's every other day, you know, for seven days in the playoffs. So um, this is going to, you know, we all talk about the compact schedule this year and, we don't even know what's going to happen here. I mean, what's going to happen in a yeah. month from now, two months from now? And there's a small window for all these teams, you know, just before playoffs. And and you look at what Dallas has missed now, and they're rescheduling games that they've got to make up later. Uh, what happened? And now it's not even about Dallas. It's, it's Carolina, and Carolina is having a, a setback. And so those games got to get you know yeah. mixed around. And if you can't play games, not because any of your guys are. Uh, what are they unfit to play? I guess that's what we got to say now. The unfit mm-hmm. to play, um, you're paying the price for somebody else maybe being unfit to play. That they they have too many guys and they have to whatever they're you know going through COVID stuff and and they can't three or four games. So all of a sudden you get to the end of the year, and you may have to play five games in seven days just to get it in, unless they're going to come up with some kind of a an alternate thing, you know, percentage points, but that's all to be, you know, and everybody has to be prepared for that because if, if things happen, it's funny, it's all seems to be happening in this division at the same time where you'd like, if it's going to happen, let's sprinkle it around the other division. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But to me, that's the biggest thing is there's going to be a lot of kids here that if it keeps and continues to go the way it is that, um, they're going to get some opportunities. And, and I think that, yeah, I go back to Kiwi Ranta. Kiwi Ranta is injured right now, it sounds like, too. But mm-hmm. when you saw him come into the lineup, he played his game. He wasn't he wasn't afraid to to make a little play or make a little pass or get to the offensive blue line and just dump the puck in to be safe. He played his game. And that's exactly what, the, you know, upstairs, that's what those guys want him to do and what they want to see him, how they can handle it. <laughs>